Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name is Abby, and I hate to ask for help. Despite all my years of therapy and teaching others how important it is, Asking for help is still something I find difficult to do, and I know I'm not alone. Today, I'll be sharing the reasons why it's hard to ask for help, the research behind the benefits of actually doing it, and my top three tips for becoming someone who asks and receives. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Wonderful to have you back to the podcast. I am very excited. One quick announcement. We're going to jump right in. My book is out. Woo! Everyone, jump up and down. Uh, uh, Send confetti, something. So boundaries made easy. Your roadmap to connection, ease, and joy. Uh, is on, You can get it on my website and get it at Amazon. The easiest way to get it and to remember is abbymedcalf.com forward slash boundaries. That's it. abbymedcalf.com forward slash boundaries. You can get that, you know, Kindle version, the, you know, ebook version. You can get a hardcover, soft copy and audible with my, yes, melodious voice reading it all to you. And uh, there, oh, there's a bonus companion and there's tons of resources. This is going to change your life. I'm very, very, very excited about this book. I ask that you please, it's a great way to support me and to support yourself by buying the book. And then I really need you to leave a review. Please, please, please. Uh, if you don't like it, I don't want a review. No, I was kidding. You know, leave an honest review. I think you're going to love it. So I have no doubt about it. I think you're going to be blown away. This book 
is thick. There's so much in there. I have packed it full. I think it's like the pre-readers I've had are reporting it like it's therapy. It's just, it's like a year of therapy in a book. So go get the book, abbymedcalf.com forward slash boundaries. And boom, it'll come up on Amazon. You could also get it on my website. Again, once you get it, don't leave a review if you haven't read it. You know, read it. You should read it or at least read some of it and then please leave a review. All right, let's get to today. So (laughs) this is such a good topic for me. Again, many people wrote in about it and I decided not to answer, you know, kind of one thing and put it out there for everyone. Asking for help. It's a biggie. And as I said, hello, my name is Abby and I I suck at asking for help. It's not my best thing. So it's, you know, we say that we teach what we need to learn. So it's really good that I'm here with you today. Uh, And these are things I practice and with my clients and all that good stuff. And there's a ton of research I'm going to um, talk about. And again, you can get that on the website, abbymedcalf.com. Go to this podcast episode or go to the blog post that I always do, the corresponding blog post. And uh, look at the research if you don't believe me or if you want to go deeper and read it for yourself. You're welcome to it. It's all the links are there. But I'm just going to be saying the research says, the research says, but know that the links are there. Okay. So what I want to say, what I want to say first is this, is that asking for help is good for you and the people around you. I know. It, again, from the research, it strengthens relationships it helps people feel less alone, not just for you, but for the people you ask the thing of. It alleviates depression and anxiety. So why aren't we doing it more often? You would ask, why do some of us suck at this? I say with love. I say with love. You know, it's always with love. In my work, I have found some just some top reasons why people tend to go it alone and find it hard to ask for help. So let's let's dig into those first, and then we'll talk about the benefits, and then I'll give you my tips. So reason number one is that you, the reason it's hard to ask for help is that you believe you'll seem weak. Some people are afraid that if they ask for help, others will judge them and label them, uh, you know, as weak or incompetent, inferior in some way. And here's something really scary because you know I do a lot of research when I'm doing these episodes. And I came across a study, this was terrifying, that shows that kids as young as seven years old, they believe this, that it makes them weak and incompetent. That's why they have, and it's one of the main reasons children don't ask for help. So if you're interested just in seeing that research, by the way, again, it's linked. Um, But kids don't ask for help as much as they should. And a lot of it is because of that. And what I want to say about this is that asking for help, it makes you vulnerable, but you have the wrong definition of vulnerability. (laughs) Being vulnerable isn't being weak. I've said this many times before on the podcast. Being vulnerable means you're accessible to the people around you. It means they can access you. And I mean the real you, you, your heart, your soul, who you are as a person. They can get closer to you. They can feel more connected, just like you do when someone is vulnerable with you. I know it's crazy, but it goes both ways. All right. 
Reason number two you don't ask for help is that you don't want to be a burden. And I think this personally is at the core of my own issues in asking for help. So for many of us, somewhere along the line in our childhoods, we were taught that we were being a burden if we asked for help. And this might have been uh, an overt message or it, you know, something that was said directly to us, or it might have happened because of something we assumed in our kid brains. So for example, I can think, God, I've had this many times. I've had clients who've had I can think of one in particular right now, though. I always like to try to picture one person in my head when I talk, uh, when I give you examples. I had a client with a single mom who had, you know, she was working two jobs. She was just, she was really breaking her ass for her family. And it was him and his little brother. And he didn't, you know, he was watching this and he just didn't feel like he could ask her, like it would be such a burden to ask her for help with things when she was working so hard and he could see it, you know, to put food on the table. Um, she moved them to a safer neighborhood than where he was originally born. I mean, she was so devoted to the, to them that he felt like he couldn't ask for anything and he became very self-reliant. And so, which of course, self-reliance isn't a bad thing, but too much of it, like anything on the scale, right? When you're pegging at either end of the meter of the, the continuum, it's always pro a problem. And so, you know, talk about the opposite of needy <laughs> or, or complaining or anything. So, and then as you might imagine, I was meeting with him because he was having a lot of trouble in his marriage. Uh, he was with another wonderful man who, um, you know, didn't feel close to him a lot because he wouldn't ask him for help. And then at work, it was showing up. He was given feedback a lot by his bosses that he took too much on and that he wasn't including his subordinates or team members often enough, this kind of stuff. So you can become too self-reliant that way. Uh, I had a different client whose mom this is like a little different reason why you think you're a burden. She had a mom that whenever she asked for anything, her mom would sigh. Whenever she asked for something, the mother, her mom would be like, what? What is it? Oh, okay, okay. And although she would go do it, she would do the thing my client was asking for. She played this martyr and made her feel so bad that she just stopped asking for things. She was like, forget it. It's not worth it. I'm this huge burden on my mother. This is, you know, she's going on and on about how hard this is that I'm asking. So, and and she said it would be for little things sometimes. Like, can I have a snack, you know, in the middle of the day? Uh, things like that. She literally remembers getting her own snack at like four years old because she didn't want to ask her mother. And then of course, what happens is my, this client particularly, she got praised for how self-reliant she was. Like, oh, my four-year-old gets her own snacks and does this and does that, acts like a little adult. Like that's something to brag about. Your four-year-old should not be acting like an adult. So, you know, and again, if you have a four-year-old right now or a kid and you're like, oh my God, my kid does that. Do not feel like a bad parent. We are not here to shame anyone. That is never where we're going. We are all about self-awareness and bringing things to light and not being in a denial. And then obviously I always give you the tools to help. And so if you have a kid acting that way, take note. Be like, hmm. You know, again, I have, I have very self-reliant kids and I always have. And they do ask for help though. <laughs> now they're, you know, they're teenagers now. So they ask for help less because that's teenagers. Um, but if I push or ask the right way, they'll ask. So 
there's, you know, and so I have to look at it too. I have to make sure that they don't feel like they're being a burden on me. I'm with you. I'm, I'm there too. Um, another scenario with this, you could have had a parent or again, whenever I say parent or a caregiver, right? Anybody who was caring for you, you could have been raised by your grandparents or by someone else. Um, but maybe you had a parent or caregiver who got upset when you asked for things or even punished you when you needed help, you know, um, you can never do anything on your own, uh, you know, or something like that, or withheld their affection when you, you know, they would maybe again do it, but then withhold their affection. There's a ton of ways that this can show up in your childhood that you then bring to your adulthood where you don't want to feel like a burden. And closely related to this is reason number three of why you don't ask for help. You don't want to owe anyone. You don't want to owe anyone. And again, this comes up for me a little too. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> you know, I try to be honest here on the podcast. Even if the other person is super nice and assures you, you know, over and over that they were happy to help you when you asked, you might still be left with a feeling of owing them. And this is because you grew up in a household where there was a lot of keeping score, you know, some tit for tat. So, you know, these are beliefs, again, that you brought into your adult relationships. You were told somewhere in your growing up years that you owed people something if they did something for you or your family. And that's that's a toughie. And I find myself, I know for me, um, I wrote about this recently in my my weekly love letter, which if you're not signed up for, I highly recommend you do. I don't sell you anything in that love letter. It's a weekly inspirational story or something. And I shared recently about my some of this. And I, I sometimes when I'm asking for help, like with Gary, I'll, it's like I treat it like he's doing me a favor. Um, you know, he's not doing me a favor. <laughs> he's he's helping. He he's helping. That's all. It's not a favor. And I think this can feel this way a lot. And sometimes it's because the other person does make, you know, is intending for you to feel that way. Um, uh, you know, this idea, like sometimes I'll have a, uh, I have this kind of more often than I would like, I'll have a male client who says, yeah, I help my wife with X or Y, I help with kids. You know, I really, I help with stuff. And I said, you're not helping her. It is not just her job. The, the, even if you use this kind of language, notice yourself, you're parenting your kids. Why is that helping her? It's So you're, what you're saying all the time is cleaning the house, the yard, the whatever is everything is her job and you help her. You're not, you're, you're a co-owner in this. Uh, this is your relationship too. This is your kids too. This is your home too. So this idea, but it happens a lot where women, you know, sort of take all the mental load. And then it seems like, again, in heterosexual relationships, like men are helping them. So if you're a man and use this language, cut that shit out. If you're a woman and use this language, yep, cut that shit out. Uh, it's bullshit. You've got to get rid of that. But it's part of this thing where you suddenly feel like if your husband is, is helping with the kids that he's doing you a favor. And I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom and he works full-time or one of those things. It doesn't matter. They're still fully his kids. <laughs> this isn't that. So I just want, you know, again, be clear. So then there are other times you ask someone for help and they do it, but then a week later, they throw it back in your face or they complain about how they were put out by your request. 
Okay. So you realize that they're helping. It wasn't all altruistic and lovely. There were strings attached. So of course you stop asking for help because you don't want them to hold this, you know, nice thing over your head until you pay them back in the future. That sucks. And you don't want to feel that. So you don't ask for help. Reason number four, you see yourself as self-reliant. Again, I think this is a little of me too. <laughs> this is Abby's therapy session today. Um, no, as I was doing this, I thought, oh, that's me, that's me, that's me. Yeah, you see yourself as self-reliant, right? So what I'm saying when I, what I mean when I say that is that you might have a self-concept that revolves around being self-reliant, being independent, you know, self-sufficient. So you're going to ask yourself, if I'm independent and self-reliant and self-sufficient, how can I ask for help? I, I You're going to tell yourself, I don't need help. I never need help. I got this. And once again, I know it generally traces back to your childhood. Somewhere along the way, being self-sufficient was given a lot of praise and it became your personality to handle things on your own. Or it wasn't given a lot of praise, but it was the only way you could get through life. And you yourself, it was the way you felt good. You felt agency, self-efficacy. You could make things happen because you couldn't trust the people around you to make things happen. And so, again, it all becomes part of your self-concept of who you believe you are. So in this case, you know, asking for help would literally mean, it would mean a loss of control a loss of sense of self, a loss of control of self, and that's super uncomfortable. Nobody wants that. You don't like the feeling because it feels like you're putting your life in someone else's hands, even for small things. So you avoid asking for help. You carry the burden of things on your own. You know, you you put the, they're just on your shoulders and you see your problems or issues as really yours alone. I know. All right. Reason number five. You don't think you deserve it. I know you do, but you don't think it. And that's really underlying all the, I'll probably make this the last one now that I think about it. Underlying all these reasons, everything I just named is this feeling of not being worthy of asking for help. You think that your worthiness is tied up in your production, in your doing. You know, I do things for other people. I, I make things happen. I am productive. I work hard to bring home a paycheck or I, I take care of the house. I take care of my kids. You see your value in what you produce and asking for help would diminish that. It, it would seem like less. So somewhere you believe, <clears throat> excuse me, somewhere you believe that the reason you're worthy of someone else's love their time, their attention is because of what you put out in the world instead of who you are in the world. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I know. I, I'm going to say, too, I was just thinking, like, you're likely also very critical of yourself and think you should be able to do whatever so it's like pathetic to ask for help. You know, again, it's kind of connected to this. You, you think you don't deserve to be helped, I guess is what I'm trying to say with all that. All right. And I, and I do want to say a quick, really quick word about cultural norms, because I know you're going to come for me in the comments. Um, <laughs> I, okay. Yes. Cultural norms matter a lot when it comes to asking for help also. Uh uh, there's a great book of uh, Wayne Baker. He's a PhD who's at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. And he's the author of a book called All You Have to Do is Ask. Um, he says that most Western societies like the U.S. are very individualistic. Uh, so self-reliance is this, it's like a leading principle. And while, of course, that can be beneficial, like anything, you can clearly take that too far. Now, in many Latin American or East Asian countries, which are more community-oriented or what we call collectivistic instead of individualistic, uh, asking for help can it's definitely can be more normalized and really part of the culture. Although even here, I'm going to say you're not supposed to necessarily, because again, it's, it's, it's collective, you're not supposed to put your own needs before the needs of the group. So you can be someone even from one of those cultures who has difficulty asking for help. No, so no matter where you're from, it can come up. I, I want to say that. But your culture certainly in those norms can uh, have a big impact. Uh, and by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, and because you love to see me do this, I'm not sure why, look at my fabulous fashion, my clothing, um, or whatever. I love when you comment under the videos. It's so nice to hear what you have to say. And uh, please subscribe and like the videos. Um, it really helps, again, more people find us. Remember, we're looking for world peace here. So uh, yeah, and if you're you know listening somewhere else, please leave a review uh, on Apple or like on Spotify. You know, help help assist out. This is a recipe. Here we are. Here I am asking for help. Here I am. I'm asking for help. See, maybe I'm maybe I don't suck at this completely. Um, I will tell you, it's always a little uncomfortable when I or it used to be. It, it used to be very uncomfortable when I asked for anything on the podcast, even though I give so much. You know. But it really helped, because I've talked about this before, to remember that it's a reciprocal relationship, and it feels good to help me. If you really feel helped by me, if you feel like, oh my God, Abby puts out so much free stuff all the time, I feel, and I get your emails, so I know you think it's true for so many of you, that it feels like therapy, it's helped you. I get a lot saying it's helped more than their therapist. I think it feels good to give back to me. It's like, yeah, I love Abby. I want to give her, I want to do for her. And here's ways I can do it that don't cost you a penny for the record. You come, yeah, buy my books or whatever, but you can also, or I have programs and products on the website, or you could buy a mug or a journal, but you can also just do these things that are totally free that really do help. So just throwing that out there. So the truth, let's talk about the truth about asking for help. And I read uh, quite a bit of research from, and I hope I don't mask her this name, 
Um, her name is uh, Shen Zhao, uh, and she is a – and so anyone from – with Chinese heritage, it's a Chinese name. I looked it up. It's X-U-A-N, and her last name is Z-H-A-O, and from what I could tell, that is pronounced Shen Zhao, Shen Zhao. Um, so I hope I am close, and please forgive me if I'm not, but you can feel free to comment or let me know because um, I always would like to improve. Uh, but she's a social psychologist and a research scientist at Stanford, and she's done quite a bit of research around this. And she has found that people consistently underestimate other people's willingness to lend a helping hand. Okay? So that's what you're doing. You're underestimating it. You think people don't want to help when they really do. Her research has found that people want to make a difference in other people's lives. I know I do. And it makes them feel good to be of service, to help. And they can't always do it if you don't ask. So uh, there's a ton of research out there showing that most people at their, at their core, sorry, at their core are incredibly pro-social, meaning for the people, <laughs> want to be connected, want to do for others. They want to have a positive impact on other people. I know I do. I'm sure you do too. In fact, again, from the research, people are often happier when they've participated in acts of kindness and compassion towards others. Uh-huh. The Again, the research consistently shows that people tend to overestimate the likelihood of their requests for help being rejected. You think way more people are going to say no to you than they do. All right, so let's get to the tips. So how can you switch from going solo to inviting others in? Okay, here are my top tips. I'm going to give you three. And there's a little bonus one for work because I love you, okay? So not that all these can't be used at work, but the, the fourth bonus kind of one I, I think is really only for work, at least in my experience. So tip number one, reframe. you got to reframe how you think about asking for help. So I've talked about cognitive reframing a lot. And at its most basic level, cognitive reframing or reframing helps you look at a situation, a person, a thought, or a feeling from a different perspective. Um, I say a lot, life is happening for you, not to you. That is a cognitive reframe, right? Seeing uh, problems as challenges, you know, seeing obstacles as a challenge, that's a cognitive reframe. You're seeing it from a different perspective. It's a strategy that helps you, it really helps you open your mindset to a new point of view, a new angle on what you're seeing or what you think you're seeing. So you can think differently about it and learn how to let things go. And this is crucial because remember, what do I say all the time? You feel the way you think. So changing your thinking about something will change your feeling about it, including asking for help. The thoughts you think and the subsequent emotions that you feel are almost always rooted in old negative patterns that you've had since childhood for real. These ways of thinking and coping, again, likely served you in some way then, but they definitely don't serve you now, especially when it comes to asking for help. So when you get a new perspective on something by doing this reframing, what you're doing is finally changing those old patterns and you can gain some control over your thoughts and feelings and really start feeling better about something like asking for help. <laughs> 
you can, you know, I always want you to know that you can create new, you know, new patterns of thought and that those will become new healthy habits. So I, it, like, if we're going to get really nitty gritty here, instead of assuming that asking your partner or your mom for help is a burden on them, think of it as offering them an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be closer to you. It's a chance for for emotional closeness and reciprocity. Instead of thinking that uh, asking your coworker for help is weak, is going to show you is you know weak at work. Think of it as allowing them to be part of the success of whatever project or issue you're asking for help about. When you ask for help, you're showing other people that you trust them, that you value them. Think of that when someone asks you, it means they trust you, they value you, which creates more connection and it deepens any relationship, work, home, family, whatever, everybody. And remember what I said earlier, vulnerability means accessibility, not weakness. So instead of seeming, you know, you can seem like an untouchable, this perfect person. And you, but when you ask for help, you become more human, you become more approachable, which has people leaning in instead of leaning out. Okay. I do, ooh, I went off on a little tangent. Uh, not, it's not a tangent. It was completely here, but I went off on a little soapbox moment, I think. Okay. Um, you know, another reframe could be that you remind yourself that you can never do as much alone as you could if you involved others, right? That's something I try to remind myself of. And that ensures that things happen, of course, more smoothly when you involve others. You know, small things don't get missed. You have really a capacity for more creativity when you've got more minds involved. And I have a five-step process for cognitive reframing that I already have done. It's in episode 158, How to Stop Overthinking and Let Things Go That Bother You. So you should absolutely check out that episode for reframing. I think it's probably one of the most important episodes I've ever done. Um, I do have the whole thing in my new book, Boundaries Made Easy. <laughs> that was an easy plug. Uh, I do. I talk about cognitive reframing in there. I give you the whole process. It's all in the book. So if you get the book, you got it. Uh, you don't have to go finding it. But if you don't want to spend money, you can go find it. Um, and I, of course, will link to that in the show notes. Uh, tip number two is to remind yourself of all the research I've been talking about. <laughs> Seriously, I do this. This helps me a lot. As I, as I already said, right, people want to help. We know from the research that uh, not only do they want to help, but when they do, it promotes their feelings of happiness. It increases feelings of connection and life satisfaction. It raises their self-esteem. It lowers their blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. There's, get this, there's even research showing that helping others helps us live longer. We live longer. Okay, again, link to all the research on all those things. Go, go to the website. When you're reticent about asking for help, remind yourself that study after study shows that asking for help not only improves your life, but also the people you ask. And for me, this is one of the tips that has really helped me uh, get better at asking for help. Okay. Tip number three is to try something called the reciprocity ring. So the book I mentioned by Dr. Baker, all you have to do is ask, um, it 
I really, he had a great suggestion in there about something called, he called a reciprocity ring, you know, to use this when you want to get better at asking for help. And basically it's so, so simple and it's very effective and I have used it and it's very effective. So get together whatever group of people. This could be at work, you know, some team at work, or you could already be in a meeting that you have every week. This could be a group of your your friends. This could be your family. Next time you're at family dinner, it could be anything like that. Just a group of three or more, I would say. Have each, and then have each person ask for something they need, big or small. Everyone always has something they could use some help with always has something going on. You know, I could use some help on this project if it's at work, or I could use help with this data analysis, or, you know, your sister might need help uh, sticking to her healthcare routine, or, you know, I don't know, your mom mom might need help figuring out how to clean out the attic. I don't know. But you'd be amazed. People have small requests, big requests. And Dr. Baker says that this activity helps normalize asking for help because everyone has an ask right? Everybody's asking for something. And I have used this, again, with groups of executives I've worked with, as well as with a group of my girlfriends. And I will tell you from firsthand knowledge, it's amazing how great it feels, as well as how many resources show up, usually immediately, like right in the meeting, people will be like, oh, I know a guy can help with that, or I have this, or here, let me give you a website for that. It's amazing. Um, and But beyond that, just this feeling of sort of bonding as everyone is is showing a little bit of vulnerability together, it's incredible. I, I really give Dr. Baker props on this one. It was a good one. And then I'm going to give you a final bonus tip to use at work. You can also use this in real, real life. <laughs> work is real life, but you know what I mean, in the rest of your life. But this is something called uh, SMART. And so you would ask for help using the SMART criteria. S-M-A-R-T is an acronym. And I've personally found this for me to be way too formal for my personal relationships, but it's, I've used it in work situations and it's very successful, you know, with projects at work, or I've also used it um, when I was on like committees and things uh, at my kid's school or something, you know, again, things are a little more formal. So I wouldn't use it like with my kids at home. But I, you know, something like that, like if you're on the auction committee at your kid's school, this can be, uh, you can use the SMART criteria to help things move along. Um, and so SMART, as I said, it's an acronym for a request that is the S-M-A-R-T. The S is specific. The M is meaningful, the A is action-oriented, R is realistic, and the T is time-bound. So before you ask for help, you would take a moment to make sure your request, you know, whatever you want to ask for help, meets these criteria. So you would want to be specific. That means to ask for exactly what you need. Spend a minute. What do you really need help with? Like, what is the thing? If you say to someone like let's say the auction, I need help with the auction. You can see that's so big. No one knows where to go. But if you can say, we need help with, I need help with uh, the marketing of the auction. Do you see that? Like get very specific, as specific as you can. Then you want to make it meaningful by sharing what, you know, why you need it. So now you want to share why. Uh, And you might say there, like, you know, um, maybe this project at work, you might say, um, you know, this, it's so huge The the, you know, or you, here, let's keep using this. Sorry. Uh, this auction, 
Um, you know, if we don't have marketing, no one's going to come and we're not going to raise any money for the school. And we really are trying to raise $20,000 for blah, 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 you know, meaning what's the meaning? Why is my sharing is you're asking me for something? How is my doing that going to be meaningful? What, what's it going to affect? Then it's action oriented, right? What information resources or support would help you would help make progress, would help you make progress on whatever you're asking about. So that seems kind of, you know, so again, you get very specific there on what you're looking for this person to do. You know, we need to reach out to 50 um, uh, community member or 20 community members or stakeholders uh, for marketing, you know, so they can, I don't know, put flyers in their windows around town or note it on their websites. I don't know. I don't know how you do this, but you know what I mean? Like you, you would really get clear on what that is. And then the R is realistic. What can the other person reasonably help with, right? So you wouldn't ask them to generate some new AI thing, you know, <laughs> when they're like trying to help with marketing, you know, oh, we could do marketing through AI. Can they do that? Do they know AI? You know what I mean? Like make sure it's realistic for who the person is. Don't maybe don't say, oh, we need a hundred, whatever. Well, is that realistic for another parent to be doing? Do they have time for that? You know, maybe it's 20, not a hundred. So, and then lastly, time bound, which would include saying exactly when you need this thing. That's easy, right? So we need to have all this by such and such a date, you know, or we need to have, you can even break that down. We need to have the 20 people where we're going to market identified by this date. Uh, and then we'll get together and decide the next portion, whatever. So the SMART criteria can be really, really helpful. Again, you might be able to use it at home. Again, I found it a little formal, but it might work for you. And there you go. That's it. That is uh, the reasons it's hard to ask for help, the benefits from the research, and my top tips for making it happen. As always, thank you for spending time with me. I love hanging out with you here. You know I love doing the podcast. I love you. It's so nice to be connected in this way. Please support me. Um, check out the Relationships uh, uh, Boundaries Made Easy book. Um, uh, you can, again, abbymedcalf.com forward slash boundaries will bring you uh, right over to the page on Amazon and you can put that in your cart and buy it. The Audible, the or maybe you have Audible and then you don't have to pay anything. Isn't that nice? Get it free. Uh, or Kindle or, you know, paperback, hardcover, it's all there for you. And I know it's really going to help. And uh, if you don't want to spend money, it's totally fine. Please, uh, you know, subscribe to if you're watching me on YouTube, even if you're not, go over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, hit a like, what, why not? Uh, it's no skin off your nose. And uh, or follow me on Instagram or, you know, whatever, or buy, or, or don't buy, sorry, or, or leave a review. And again, if you do buy the book, please leave a review after you've read it, after you've received it and read it, you know, it should be real and or at least read part of it. And I think that's it for this week. As always, if you have any topics you'd like me to cover, please email them to me at abby at abbymedcalf.com or you can go on the website on the Let's Connect page. Um, and remember, please do not ask for specific advice on your problem or send me an email that's, you know, 10 paragraphs long. I love you and I don't have time to read those. I just don't. I get hundreds of emails a week. I, I just don't. So sadly, I'll probably skip yours if it's that long. 
um, because I just have to. And again, it's unethical for me to give like pointed advice just to you. If you really need advice so badly, you should seek out therapy, um, someone to work with, um, you know, one-on-one, okay? All right. I love you. Have an amazing week. I'm sending a big hug, and I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 